Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. Hey guys, this is Ruben from Dub's podcast, Connection Loop. And today we're going to talk about a subject matter that I am totally passionate about that definitely just took a, a jarring pivot in I think all of our lives, which is how to build a healthy work culture. And a lot of this happens through leadership. A lot of this happens through creativity, you know, nurturing folks on our team. You know, my old idea of a cool work culture was surfboards on the wall, kombucha on tap, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, you know, great food in the, in the communal kitchen, uh, you know, a place with ping pong and with foosball. And, you know, now a cool work culture is, is, a, is a cool chair, you know, that uh, has a massaging back on. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think we're all kind of trying to develop, um, you know, new models in this in this new world. So, Brittany, let's get into this. You're an expert on leadership. You're an expert on work culture. Um, what What's going on? And, and please also give us a little bit of bio on yourself just so we have some context. But tell us what we don't know and what we need to learn here. Well, thank you for having me on. Uh, my name is Brittany Lenhart. I'm the owner of Work Culture Consultant. And um, a little bit of background about me. I was in the Air Force for almost a decade. And then I got out of the service and did a few uh, contracting things on the side. And well, thank you for your service. Oh, thank you. Uh, I just realized that I really wanted to work for myself. And I was like, what, you know, I went to a Tony Robbins uh you know, seminar. And I was like, I got to figure out what it is that's going to make, you know, I can make money off of that I'm passionate about. And I realized that there wasn't it. I couldn't find at least somebody who consulted in like how to make a work culture better. And I was just like, I'm doing it. (laughs) And I made work culture consultant and, you know, my education uh, master's and bachelor's is in organizational management and leadership. So I kind of just made it happen. It's been something when I was, when I was in military, I realized, you know, because I've been in toxic situations and I've been in really good ones and it always stemmed uh, from the leadership and or lack thereof, Mm. you know, how productive we were. If it was a fantastic team and we got a lot done, it's usually because we had awesome leadership. And if it was the opposite, it's because we had someone in a leadership position that was usually toxic and none of us benefited from that. Mm. So not not only have you innovated on this idea of helping people with their work work culture, but also you've pivoted your own business to now really have it focus on a remote first uh, environment, which I think is amazing on, on multiple levels because it's such an important topic. Yes. Um, you know, when COVID hit, uh, there was a lot of people. I mean, it hit me hard, too, because I lost some good clients because, you know, they had to focus on how they were going to figure everything out, which I was totally understanding of. Um, so it hit everybody. Um, but I know that there were a lot of people that were like, how are we going to take even if they had a good work culture, how are we going to take that and, you know, pivot it to remote? How are we going to stay engaged? How are, how's our productivity levels going to stay the same? And it really you had to do with it. I made a video on LinkedIn about this. Um, you know, 360 degree feedback is huge. That They had to make sure that they were c- keeping connected with their people. And 
it's the 360 degree feedback has to do with, you know, not just like, Hey, what I need from you as the employee, but also like, Hey, what do you need from me as your boss, your supervisor, your leader, whatever, you know, name you want to put on it. What do you need from me during these times so that we can stay engaged and connected and so that we don't get this separation. Um, and that was one of the uh, big things that I told all my clients, they need to ensure that they had that with their people. And, and based on the feedback that you've seen so far, what is the consensus? I mean, I'm just guessing, just kind of off the top of the dome here, I'm just guessing that what people are frustrated about right now is work-life balance, okay? It's, it's having to work in an environment. I was just on a call just five minutes ago where all I could hear in the background was kids screaming. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and some of us got lucky. I got lucky because I have a second little garage that I turned into a studio with closed doors and it's separate from the house. So I got really lucky. You know, some people have basements. Some people don't have small kids. Some people don't have loud pets, you know, but, but that's like the one thing that comes to my mind. The next thing that comes to my mind is this idea of not knowing when to turn off because you roll out of bed and you can just work. It's right. not like the good old days where maybe you go into a physical space and you're there from nine to six and then you can at least check out. But yeah, we're always checking our email and we're kind of staying connected. But for a certain extent, there was some boundaries. Mm -hmm. And then the third one that just comes to me real quick is, is just Zoom fatigue. You know, mm -hmm. being on so many live calls where actually you don't you don't get the productivity because working from home, you can be productive. In yeah. fact, you can be extremely productive. There's no commute right. times. There's no you know, wasted time at the, at the water cooler, which is not really wasted time. And that's obviously, you know, camaraderie, but you know, mm -hmm. it's still a level of, of, of efficiency. Right. But now I think what a lot of people complain about is that there's just too much time on zoom. Mm -hmm. We're having too many meetings and we're not actually getting the work done. That's I have heard that. Um, and it's, it goes back to how it was in the office. You know, how many times could this, e this meeting could have been an email? And it's the same thing here. And what I'm seeing is that there are micromanagement issues. You know, if there was micromanagement issues like physically within a workplace and now there's, you know, these bosses don't feel like they have control anymore. So now it's more Zoom meetings. Now I need to check and make sure you're online every five seconds. And there's it's like giving it's a, it's almost a disservice to good employees when you go remote like this because if you have a micromanager as a boss their anxiety is through the roof because they, <laughs> you know they're like oh my god I have to figure out how I'm gonna control you and you know my thing with clients is I try to either remedy or get rid of micromanagers because they don't behoove the company or employees productivity like you know all these zooms you know if this can be an email or this doesn't need to be a zoom like let people do what they need to do. There's so many people who just want to be, have freedom and flexibility, you know, especially um, like millennials and Gen Z, the whole thing with us is that we want freedom. So letting us just go and do our job, you're it will happen. And if you give people the freedom to do that, you will see it. And like you were talking about before with um, it's hard to, uh, now that we're remote and like you have kids and pets and just, it's a hard play. My advice uh, to try to separate work and home, because that's also a big thing is that have a very dedicated space. And then as soon as you're done work, leave that and don't ever go, don't go back to, even if, you know, I understand some people are in small apartments, like literally have a dedicated space 
and then leave everything there. Leave work, the whole situation. And leadership needs to also make sure that, you know, being from home, a lot of people are okay with the fact that, oh, I can have access to you all the time now because you're home all the time. So mm-hmm. depending on what state people are in or whatever, that's not fair to people. You know, if it's a nine to five, it's a nine to five. Don't be bugging people at 10 at night, expecting, you know, blasting people with emails and expecting, you know, them, you know, people need time off. And, you know, that's been an issue I've seen that now that everyone is working from home, they bosses feel like they have complete access to them. And it's like, no, you can't do that. It's, it's not good for the culture. It's not good for the relationship you have with people. Uh, So I suggest not doing that. I think boundaries is key here. I think that's that's a that's a real big takeaway that I have here. Now, my question is that needs to come from the leadership. That needs to come from the top because if if there isn't this accepted ideal that when work is done, work is done. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that's not accepted, then people are going to slightly feel obligated, I think, to always be connected. Right. And I think that there's kind of like this dual dynamic that happens that a, you know, if certain parties within leadership are actually micromanagers, which all comes from trust and fear and, mm-hmm. you know, insecurity. Right. Um, and, and the other folks, you know, uh, also feel something where they might be insecure about job security. That's mm-hmm. kind of a, that's the recipe for a toxic environment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's lack of trust and lack of faith, you know, lack of security. And those two things, when they come together is it's the worst combination of fear. Uh, my, my question for you is how do we, um, how do we overcome those on a holistic level? When I was, uh, when I brought 360 degree um, feedback earlier, I, the reason I really push that is because it helps get a rapport and a good relationship. And like you said, trust, you know, if, if you can sense that your employee doesn't want to talk to you, there's some trust issues there. So you, the more communicate, it's better to over communicate in the beginning when my podcast from a CEO that is completely remote said that as well, that you need to, in the beginning, at least over communicate with each other, not saying over zoom, just like, what do you need? How can I help you? So getting that type of trust factor is important in the beginning. Um, And I call it uh, amnesty hour. Sometimes you really just need to have uh, these one-on-ones with your employees. Like you need to be completely honest with me and have no repercussions towards, you know, how can I be better? If an employee feels like, Hey, you're micromanaging me. You need to have this open door, you know, policy situation within this relationship with your employee that you can tell me anything and I'm going to try my best to fix it, not um, punish you for you telling me something that I need to be better at. There's a lot of self-awareness that leadership needs that they need to have to be like, Hey, maybe I'm not doing good in these areas and I need to hear this from my employees so that I can get better instead of being offended when they, you know, tell you something that, they don't, you know, you don't want to hear. Right. Well, I mean, there's also, and this is obviously more relevant for larger companies, but there's also this idea of anonymous feedback, mm-hmm. which, which I, I've never, I've never pursued that in, in my life. I've never put in an anonymous note um, in, a, in a workplace environment, complaining about something or saying something or raising my hand. I've always just been forthright about it and, and face to face about it. And I don't know if that's always the best solution because sometimes it, 
it, it can actually work against you. You know, um, if if there is certain uh, certain levels of nepotism or mm. there's certain ideals that are so ingrained into the corporate culture that you might you might actually look like a little bit of a renegade by by calling something out, even though you're completely in the in the in the right. So in that environment, you know, it's always tough. Do you send something anonymously? Is there even a system set up for something, you know, to be able to communicate anonymously? And then if if you do so, what are the potential repercussions? Right. That, that's unfortunate because, mm -hmm. you know, that just comes back to the security thing. You know, right. uh, my, my question for you is what are some of the systems? What are some of the processes that folks within leadership or not should really pursue right now so that we can get that 360 feedback. Uh, I'm just thinking of a Google form. I'm thinking of simple surveys that we can fill out. Mm -hmm. Where do we get those questions? What is the process? How do we develop and systematize this? So like you talked about before, and I'm a huge believer in this is that, you know, change stems from the top, you know, le leadership has to, be the one to implement things. And so I believe, and I suggest with my clients as well, that they do these, you know, the equivalent of a pulse survey, mine is called a cadence survey, whatever you want to call it, but you need to get a feedback from your people and it needs to start from the top and surveys. Most employees, when they do these surveys, these climate surveys, they're like, Oh great. Another one that's going to go absolutely nowhere. So don't even, my thing is like, don't even do one if you're not going to use it to the company's advantage. Like if it's just something you're doing for an HR, like I checked the box, see, I asked my employees what I, you know, whatever, that does nothing. If you truly want to know and you want to fix your culture or really understand what's going on with your people, do one, but customize these questions from the top like really focus on what it is that you want to understand from your people and then get with HR and then, you know, do it mm. and then get the data analysis back and figure out what you're going to do. Take all the information and then bring it back to the employees. This is what I've found. And now that we have the self-awareness that this is an issue, this is what we're going to do about it. You know, don't just so many times they just have a survey and then you never hear about it again. You need to do the survey, get the data back, and then bring it back to the people with a problem solution situation. This is what we're going to do about this now. And then that helps with trust too. Like, oh, wow, they actually heard me. They listened to me and now they're going to do something about it. Wow. Mm, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, action is so important here because it comes back to trust. You know, if there's going to be a survey, a system, a questionnaire that goes out, but then nothing is actually done about it. Uh, that's actually going to have a negative effect. Agree, one hundred. It's because then it's. I love how you put it because then people are just going to blow it off, and then the next time mm -hmm. it happens, people are going to say, "Listen, I don't, I don't trust this. Nothing is going to, is good, you know, that's going to come out of this." Um, I, you know, I was thinking about it as you were saying that. I kind of realized that in a lot of ways, there's this kind of spiritual analogy when it comes to uh, work culture, in that historically, work culture is kind of like going to you know, an organized spiritual place, a church, a temple, a place where people get together, even a yoga class, you know, but now work culture, a lot of it is, is actually internal. It's in our minds. It's our mental health and mm -hmm. it's the way that we connect to others, you know, yeah. 
And it's the way that we interact with certain things and the way that other folks deal and the way that we deal with things. And it's, there's this kind of, um, you know, introspective, you know, kind of spiritual element to it where, you know, we, our mental health, I think is, is the, is one of the most important things when it comes to our work culture, because that's where trust comes. That's where security comes. That's where just feeling confident, feeling safe, you know, Oh, wow. uh, how can how can we improve um, mental health within the workplace? How can we make lines more open, more transparency? You know, make it less of a taboo. You know, really be there in a compassionate, empathetic, helpful way to folks. You know, when they are going through stuff, because guess what, we all are. Absolutely, I am glad you brought this up because you know I always say that you know work culture is a vibe. And when you go into a place and you can feel it just, it's wrong. I mean, you know, it's my hippie thing there. You can feel as soon as you walk into somewhere, whether it's bad or good for the most part, especially if it's real awesome. Like I walked, walked into Virgin Orbit before and I felt excited to just be there. Everyone was just so, you know, there was an innovative place and everyone was excited and you could just feel it was a good vibe. It was a good work culture. I've also worked worked at other places before where you walked in there and your energy just was depleted from you mm. because it was so toxic. And so from a spiritual level, if you will, um, it's important that we have this, you know, self-awareness that does this place make me feel good? Does it make me uh, hate waking up in the morning mm. or does it make me excited? Like we're going to get stuff done today. That like, that is work culture to me. Like if you have a good work culture, work culture, you're excited to come into work. And, you know, there's certain jobs that I completely understand that you're not, you might not be the most excited, but as long as you don't absolutely hate waking up in the morning, you have at least a decent work culture. And that's what I'm going for. That's my mission is to, it's like a mental health thing. That's what really um, made me make this company was because I've been in that situation where I loathed walking into this place, place I worked at. And it's like this, and it wasn't productive. It was super toxic. Everyone was unhappy. And it's just like, there's no need for that. We can do so much more when people are excited and want to get things done. So let's do that. Um, I, I don't understand why people don't get that. I feel like it's such a easy thing. Like, of course you want everyone to be happy at work. They're going to be more productive. The bo Your bottom line is going to be heavily affected mm. by the fact that you know, if everyone hates coming into this place, you think you're going to get the most out of the people? No. Right. So you need to care about your people and the culture that you provide. And like you said, it's it's not all, you know, Google, you know, beanbag chairs and kombucha and this and this and that. It's more than that. And so going remote, um, it's, it is a lot harder. And I think we're all still trying to figure out how we can get better about that. I know that some CEOs have told me that they've had um, happy hours via Zoom. They try not to have so many Zooms throughout the day with that's not a necessity. And then just having some, this is not work-related at all. This is just us wrapping back and forth. And supposedly that's worked for some people. So that's a suggestion is to have happy hours that are nothing about work, just getting together. Um, that's been one thing. Um, again, less Zoom calls and just letting people work. Um, the beauty of being remote is that some people, especially like me, more introverted people are happy to be working from home. Unfortunately, there's a lot of extroverts that hate this 
And so to, to try and accommodate them, you need to know your people. And if they are more um, extroverted, you might want to reach out to them more because they might just need that interaction with people uh, to be more satisfied. But there's so many levels to this, but we just need to um, ask what they want, you know, what employees need. If they want more interaction, give that to them. If they say, you know, I, I can be more hands off, do that. Just listen to people. And if they are being productive with what they're asking, then just give it to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, so, as you were saying that there was so many things I was thinking about um, that kind of uh, just amplifies, I think some of your notes, you know, in terms of, you know, giving people what they need um, ways to kind of cure us, to heal the soul, to make it more comfortable. You know, I, I have this, I have this, I have this idea that, you know, I, for, for some time, you know, so many years within the last so many years, so many companies have adopted this idea of we're a pet friendly company. <laughs> you <know? Yes. laughs> I'm all about it. You know, it became, it became almost, almost comedic, you know, where you go into some companies, LA, definitely huge proponent of this. A lot of LA tech companies where you'd go into the corporate office and like one out of every four people have a dog, like in their <laughs> cubicle and, and there's little cages set up and little, you know, potty pads and stuff. And, you know, I think the reason why a lot of people adopted that was because, uh, you know, it's, it's this idea of therapy. It's this idea of companionship. It's this idea of larger purpose, you know, being yeah. a nurture, you know, and mm -hmm. I, and I feel like there's not a lot of that right now that people are talking about at home. Like, I don't know if dog cat adoption rates, have increased from this. I don't know if people are at home more, if, if they, if they want more pets, you know, right. obviously with pets in the workplace, there's a lot of logistics that are hard barking, you know, potty trips, you know, there's all sorts of requirements and, and, you know, responsibilities that we have now as, as pet owners, I am not a pet owner at the moment. Um, but I, but I do believe that there is some, this new wave of, you know, therapy pets at the home, but then also, uh, you know, discipline, like discipline for the pets where they know not to bark and not to, you know, bother <laughs> you when you're on the calls. Like yeah. there needs to be some Pavlovian way to let them know, <laughs> do not bark when I'm on this Zoom call every Tuesday. <laughs> so that happened to be a, on the podcast, like a few weeks ago. And thankfully the CEO was just laughing. He was like, yeah. that's work from home. And I'm like, yep, sorry. My basset hound is really loud. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've already experienced it myself, but I think um, there's definitely levels to having the pets at work. I am a huge animal lover, so I love it. But uh, as long as they're, like you said, disciplined and, and they can um, be good. But I know it's like you said for, with the mental health and I'm all about mental health. Um, so for some people that's really good for them. I know uh, past whatever, six months working from home, I've been so happy to be with my animals all day. It just mm. makes me happy. Um, so I know that uh, is the same for a lot of other people. Um, and you hit on mental health. And I wanted to go back to that because um, mental health is huge. If someone is like, like the mental health days, if you just need to take a day off because you're tapped out, that shouldn't be frowned upon. You know, there's levels of burnout that people have and they need to be aware of their signs of burnout before they get there. Um, you know, people just keep, like you said, they don't, during this remote thing, they don't know how to turn off a lot of times because they feel like you said that like 
they're worried about job security. They feel like they have to be on all the time so that they don't have to worry about losing their job. And they just don't know how to differentiate between like, okay, I'm off now, even though I'm at home and I feel like I'm still at work. Like you have to separate those for your own mental health. And that's why I said have, I've talked to a psychologist before and they even suggested that whole have a space for work. Like don't just be, you know, taking your laptop everywhere and, do, you know, just have a dedicated space so that you can have a way to mentally tap out when you're done, um, which is easier said than done. But, um, you, and I know it's, it's hard cause like I'm in Vegas right now and we are pretty free here with the COVID situation. And so I can go out in nature and just decompress, but like in New York city, people can't do that. You know, they can't just, um, leave their apartment and do whatever they want. Um, so they have to find what, like you suggested yoga. There's like a lot of other things that people can do for their mental health during all this. Um, and maybe company companies should incentivize them, uh, in some ways to keep their mental in a good place. Um, I don't know all what that is yet, but I think we all need to start strategizing what that can be that companies can provide. I know counseling is one of them that they for sure have. Some companies offer free counseling. And right now there's a lot of Zoom counseling um, and you know, tap into that. If your company provides that and you feel like you need counseling, go get that and sometimes it's free. So like use that if you need uh, it. That's huge. I don't think a lot of people know about that. You know, there's definitely some services out there uh, where it's it's more it's cost effective because it's using not just live you know synchronous calls it's also using some chat and mm -hmm. some apps that I've learned about you know for counseling there's a couple of, of of really kind of interesting innovative ways you know there's another model where it's like overseas therapists where sometimes you need someone to talk to and um, and then also just friend networks you know just accountability partners and you know kind of support friends I think that's really important. Um, one, of, one of the other topics that, that I've, I've have found to be truly healing is this idea of collaborative creation, you know, where people are and, and, you know, Dub is a video company. We're all about that. We're constantly trying to figure out ways to innovate on how people create videos, how people share videos. You know, one of the things that we're really exploring is this idea of collaborative video making. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's a topic that I think is really interesting. And I have personally found it to be extremely not only healing, but but also really engaging and really beneficial when when collaborative videos are shared with other people. Here mm -hmm. is our work culture. This is Dub. My name is Ruben. This is Ina. This is Shannon. This is Darius. This is Bono. This is Sebastian. You know, all the people on our team, a little clip of them. That mm -hmm. shows what they are like in real life. You know, they are dog lovers, they are surfers, mm -hmm. you know, they are, you know, poetry lovers. They're all these interesting people. And it kind of promotes this idea of of a open-minded, transparent work culture. But it also, I think, allows people to to know that everyone's different, everyone's unique, and it's all it's all good. And that's really what makes us powerful as as a as a collective team, you know. I think that's a great idea. I've seen um, another CEO that I interviewed, uh, Chad Gono, and he's been doing that recently on LinkedIn, like going around and, and show they're not remote, uh, but they, he's been going around making videos of his people and having them talk. And it really uh, shows you how their culture is. He's not just all talk. Like he does have a good culture. You can see it. You can feel it in the people when they're on video. So I think it's a great idea that people um, start doing that. Yeah. 
it's a so where, incentive. Yeah. So where can we learn about you? What uh, LinkedIn, your website address, social handles? Uh, work culture consultant is pretty much everything because it's not consulting, it's consultant. But um, YouTube, Instagram, mostly LinkedIn though, Brittany Lenhart. Um, you'll find me on there. That's where most of my content and videos are. Um, and then workcultureconsultant.com as well. And the podcast is also Work Culture Consultant. I tried to just grab them all as soon as I <laughs> made this business happen. Amazing. Well, I listen, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, I think what you're doing is so incredibly important and I want more people to, to know about you so that they can make these improvements. So I look forward to kind of promoting this conversation and just putting it out there. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. So thank you so much. Thanks so much. Bye, Brittany. Take care.